Aren't we so very happy to have the Campatellas? Could we give them a hand? I want them to come. God bless them as they preach today the word of the Lord. Thank you, Pastor French. Let's praise the Lord together. Would you clap your hands and lift your voice unto the Lord? Hallelujah. For the Lord is gracious and merciful and slow to anger. Hallelujah. We bless your holy name. Blessed be the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. There can be no doubt that the presence of the Lord is here. And whatever you need, you can get it today. Hallelujah. I'm so thankful for what I feel in this place. I have had a very unique experience this morning in prayer for several hours in the presence of the Lord. I had something that I had intended to preach, and then revelation began to flow in a completely different vein of the Spirit. And I have no notes, but I do have a revelation and something's going to happen wonderfully in this place today. Hallelujah. Turning your attention to the book of Ezekiel chapter 28, beginning with verse 14, I give honor to your wonderful pastor, Brother French, and his precious wife and their entire family. My Lord, have mercy. Y'all have it good here. I tell you the truth. You have it good here. I hope you know that. Sometimes the people that have it the best don't know they have it the best. Americans have it better than anybody else in the world, and Americans are some of the, they're like spoiled children sometimes, I think. You, you've got it good. You've got it good. This precious family took us to, I don't even know what it's called, a bunch of, uh, some harvest where they have pumpkins and cows and stinky pigs and you can feed the goats and get dust in between your toes and bounce on some big bouncy thing. Our kids loved it. We just had a wonderful time. And then we topped it off in God's perfect will and went to Cracker Barrel. It was the Lord leading us there. Hallelujah. Ezekiel chapter 28, verse 14. Speaking of Lucifer, Satan. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Thou wast perfect. Everybody say perfect. Everybody say he was perfect. In, the way, in thy ways from the day that thou wast created till iniquity was found in thee. Iniquity is spiritual rebellion. Genesis chapter 1, beginning with verse 31. The Bible says, And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. Everybody say not perfect, just very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. One more passage of scripture before you're seated. First John, actually two more passages. First John chapter three, beginning with verse number one, and then the next chapter in verse 16. First John three and one. Behold, what manner of love, everybody say love. The Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore, the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. Chapter 4, verse 16, and we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. Everybody say these next three words. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. I want to preach to you on this topic this morning for a few minutes. When Satan 
new love. Win Satan, new love. Put your Bibles down. Let's lift our hands and our voices unto the Lord. Let's ask God to do exactly what he wants to do in this place. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we bind every spirit that is contrary to the work of the Lord and to the flow of God and to the order that you would perform in this service. I pray now that every human spirit would be subdued and yielded to the presence of the Lord, that every demon would shut their mouth, that the voice of truth could be received without distraction, without inhibition. I loose the angels of the Lord in this place today. I pray that they would help us to preach and help us to receive the word of the Lord. Open every eye to see and every ear to hear what thus saith the Lord. Let the word of God have the impact upon us that you want it to have. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. And everybody said in Jesus' name, would you praise the Lord with a hand clap and let's shout praises unto the Lord. Hallelujah. We bless your holy name. Why don't you lift your voice and let some praises come out. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you got the Holy Ghost, speak in tongues loudly. Let the Spirit pray through you. Let the Spirit of God praise through you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus. Give three people a high five and say, let's have some church on Sunday morning. You may be seated. Bible gives us the account of the creation of the world. The Bible says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We know that that was not the actual beginning of everything, but it was the beginning of our story in the eternal existence of God. God existed before our beginning. And it is obvious through Scripture that the angels existed before our beginning. We do understand that everything that was made was made by him. The Bible says without him was not anything made. That was made. Angels were created just like the heavens and the earth were created. And God spoke them into existence. God created them. And he made hierarchies in the heavens. There are varying levels of authority and power that angels have. We see this repeated over and over in scripture where Angels and fallen angels or demons or devils fought. We see in one place where Daniel had prayed and fasted for 21 days for an answer from God. Gabriel came to him and said, I am come because of thy words, because of thy prayer. Thy words were heard and I am come. I am sent because of thy words. But... The prince of Persia withstood me one and twenty days. There was a demon, a strong man, if you will, spiritual wickedness in high places over Persia that withstood Gabriel. And it was powerful enough to overcome Gabriel and to keep Gabriel back from bringing revelation to Daniel. However... The Bible says, Gabriel said that Michael, one of the chief princes, came and fought with me. And the prince of Persia was defeated. So Michael was bigger than the prince of Persia, who was bigger than Gabriel. 
you see that there is a differentiation between the powers that angels have. You see in the book of Revelation, the Bible takes us back before the beginning of our time. And it says, and there was a war in heaven. And the dragon and his angels fought against Michael and his angels. And Michael and his angels overcame the dragon. The dragon was cast out of heaven, but with his tail, he took a third of the angels. And that's a wonderful revelation because if there is a third of the angels that became fallen angels or demons, that means there are two-thirds of the angels that are still up there on our side. We outnumber the devil two to one. And even if there wasn't two to one, God is on our side. I think it is very interesting that God is so powerful and so mighty that he didn't even involve himself in the war. He just sat there and watched the show, if you will. Because if God spoke Lucifer into existence, he could speak him right out of existence. God is not threatened by the devil. I want to tell you something. I've heard people say the opposite of up is down, the opposite of in is out, the opposite of God is the devil. God is the most high God. He is the El Shaddai. He is the Almighty. He has no opposite because he has no equal. Satan is not the opposite of God. And the Bible says that Lucifer and his angels were cast down to the earth. And you see in the book of Revelation that the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. I believe and I believe there are scriptures that teach us that this earth was created before but when Lucifer was cast down... They made a big mess of it all, and it was without form and void, and darkness was there. But the Spirit of the Lord began to move upon the face of the waters, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. And creation began to unfold for us. You see, the first day, and the second day, and the third, and fourth, and fifth, and sixth days, God created the heavens and the earth. He made the stars. He made the sun, the moon. He made the cattle. He made the trees and the grass. And he made the water retract from the land. And he put a barrier, a spiritual barrier between land and water. That's why the global warming alarmists are wrong. The oceans will never rise because there is a barrier that God has set in motion that the oceans will stay. It's in the book of Genesis. I don't think they read that too much. But anyway, you see in the six days of creation that God made everything. And the pinnacle of cre his creation on the sixth day was when God created man. And it's very interesting to know because God, when he made everything else, he spoke it into existence. It was an impersonal display. It was an impersonal manifestation of his power. Let there be light. Pow! There was light. Let the earth bring forth grass and herbs and the, the fruit bearing seed and let the seas bring forth the fish and the, the fowls of the air. Everything was spoken but, but the Bible gives us a detail of when God created man. The Bible says that God formed man from the dust of the ground because this God who created everything else that exists around us when he created man he wanted to be intimately involved in the process God got his hands dirty so to speak he became involved with the dirt and he fashioned man I, I have a vision in my head of God Almighty sitting on the throne speaking in a display of power. Stars, pow. planets, pow. oceans, pow. earth, pow. mountains, pow. 
fouls. And then he stood up off of his throne. And he stepped down onto this ball of dirt. And he began to dig. And he got the mud in his fingernails. And he fashioned the fingers of the man. And the eyelids and the eyelashes and the ears. He made the ears just right because he knew water would fall down from the heavens. So he made the ears that they would cover the eardrum and that water would run down through this channel and fall out the bottom. He made the eyelashes so sensitive that if a speck of dust were to touch the eyelashes in a millisecond, the eyelids would close, protecting this incredible thing we call an eye. And he made our reflexes. He gave us lungs that could process this air that he spoke into existence and cause the oxygen to go through the heart and to the body. He gave us muscles that we could lift our hands and lift our fingers and he made these five digits so we could pretty much do whatever we wanted to on this earth. We, could, if we couldn't do it with our hands. Eventually we would have the knowledge to make something that would do it for us. And he made us feet that we could balance and walk on two legs and he made good strong muscles in these legs to carry these bodies because one day he had a vision in his head of a little boy named David waving these arms that he had created and dancing on these legs that he was fashioning. He had a, a vision of saints of God thousands of years later that would lift their hands and with this, this these vocal cords that the air comes out of the lungs and vibrates over these, these muscles in our throat, we would begin to sing praises unto the Lord with all of our might and he gave us voices that we could shout and praise him. He was envisioning all of this as he was creating the man. And then the moment came and I can feel the anticipation in the soul of God because even though he was formed, he was dead. He was lifeless. And the Bible says, God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Eyes open, and life, independent, self-will, free choice, is looking back into the face of God. And love became a reality. There was a point in God's existence where he was totally alone. You see a parallel because after God made Adam, the Bible says he made all these animals beforehand. And the reason why he made these animals obviously were, was for companionship for Adam. But animals do not receive love. And the Bible says that there was no help that was suitable for Adam looking out over creation. This was before he made the woman. Mm -hmm. But looking out over these things, and you see a parallel because God is giving Adam a revelation of his existence. Even though God had angels all around him, holy angels, powerful angels, there was nobody in heaven that of their own free will could look at God and say, I love you. And so he made man. And man, even though he was incredible, even though we still do not understand scientifically, every, the scientists still do not understand the eyeball. Just one part of man. They do not understand because for all they can know, when an image comes into the eye, when it comes into that retina and it hits those nerves, uh, it is upside down. We are literally seeing everything upside down, but something in the mind, something that they cannot understand, something that they cannot see, that they cannot know scientifically, is correcting the image and causing everything to be in its proper perspective. They don't have a clue. And even though scientists do not understand this body, this amazing human body, God only said, it's very good. It was not perfect, but there was another creation of God 
that the Bible says he created that was perfect. Lucifer was perfect. Can you imagine perfect? Not a single flaw. No graying of the hair. No falling out of the hair. I'm experiencing that wonderful scientific phenomenon as we speak. 20 or so hairs this morning committed suicide in the shower. Joints never get stiff. Fingers never get stiff. Eyes never grow dim. They never lose focus. Vocal cords that could fill heaven with music. Tabrets and pipes, the Bible says, built into him. He was a living instrument that we cannot possibly imagine. A breastplate of stones on his, on his chest and laid in gold. His beauty was so exquisite that the Bible literally says he was perfect. But Satan said something. That astounds me. He was living in the mountain of God. And Isaiah records him saying, I will ascend into the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. And the Bible says, yet thou shalt be brought down to hell. To the sides of the pit. This statement by Lucifer is incredible to me. Because what Lucifer said that got him cast down to hell. If we say the same words, Jesus says, okay. I want to be like God. We even write songs about it. To be like Jesus. To be like Jesus. On earth I long to be like him. We, there is something inside of us that God literally built into us to cause us to desire to be like him. And he knows we can't do it by ourselves. And so he looks at us and he says, you know, you want to be like me, but you can't do it by yourself. So I will give you what I am made of. I will let my spirit come inside of you. The spirit that was inside of my son, my physical body on earth. I will give you that spirit so you can be like me. God is so unintimidated by us. Paul said, let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. Matter of fact, you can have his mind. You can have his blood. You can have his spirit. You can have his body. You can have his mentality. I'm going to give you his word. I'm going to give you every tool available. That way you can actually be like him. You don't have to be like you anymore. You don't have to be in that flesh anymore. You don't have to deal with that problem anymore. You don't have to live in that weakness anymore. You don't have to fall by that temptation anymore. I'm going to give you everything you need to be like me. But when Satan said it, I will be like the Most High. Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning. <laughs> Cast down. Why? Why is it legal for us to be like him, but illegal for the angels to try and be like him? The Bible gives us insight in the book of Hebrews. It says, to which of the angels said he at any time, thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son, question mark. God never said these things about angels. What did he say about us? Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. 
I, I can't tell you how, how much fun I'm having right now. Jesus is just speaking through me. It's a, I, I, have, I have scriptures. I, have, I can feel his mouth speaking through me. I can feel his spirit running through me. I can feel the anointing coursing through my body. I want to tell you something. God loves us so much that he not only saved us where we were, he will never be content to leave you where he found you. He will never be content to leave you on the same level he found you. He has made you a son. And if we're a son, we are heirs with Jesus Christ, joint heirs. What did Jesus receive by inheritance? He received the name of God by inheritance. And if we are joint heirs and we receive the name of God, that name gives us the same inheritance that Jesus Christ received. That's why he said the works that I do, you're going to do greater. You're going to be just like me. Hallelujah! I want you to lift your voice and clap your hands and say thank you, God, for your love. Thank you for loving us, Jesus. I want you to understand the clash that's happening. There is a reason why Lucifer hates every hair on your head. He hates your guts. He was the perfection of beauty, the Bible says. And here, this creation that's only very good is in the garden. Satan's in the garden. He's watching because God is reacting and relating and communing with this new creature like he never did with any angel in heaven. He's just going down there to hang out. This God that rides on the clouds, whose throne is above the heights of the stars, is now walking in a garden. And he's a, like a stalker. He's peeking around the tree and looking at it. His eyes are big and wide, and Lucifer is looking, and he's saying, what's wrong with him? He's never acted like this since I was in heaven. And so Lucifer, in his jealousy, begins to talk to Adam and Eve. Eve, in particular, he went after the woman. That's a very powerful revelation. He didn't go after her because she was weaker. He went after her because of the incredible influence that she had. Satan knew if he got the woman, he was going to get the woman and the man. And so he begins to talk to Eve, and he said, there's a pretty awesome tree in the midst of that garden. If you eat it, you'll be like God. Eve talks back. And as soon as you start having a conversation with the devil, you're in trouble. Jesus never Commune with the devil on his level. He just said, Satan, get thee behind me. I want you to change location. You're trying to stand in front of me, stopping me from the promise that God is. Get in the right location that God has put you in, behind me. For it is written. But Eve didn't do that. She had a conversation with Lucifer and... and she looked at that tree and she began to see things through Satan's perspective. And Satan in his mind thought, if I can get them to fail like I failed. What did he say? What did he say to her? If you eat of this tree, you'll be like him. Satan knew of the repercussions that he experienced when he desired to be like him. And now he's trying to get Adam and Eve to do the same thing. You'll be like him if you eat of this tree. And he convinced them. He deceived her. And Eve turned on the charm or the influence or the, the look, whatever it took. She got Adam to do it. And they took this fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And they ate of it. And the Bible says their eyes were opened. They knew they were naked. 
condemnation for the first time enters into the human psyche. Guilt, shame for disobeying God's commandments. I want to tell you something. One of the biggest things we are dealing with on earth, the reason why people act the way they act and go crazy is because of guilt. Shame. The mess that's in the Middle East right now that we see unfolding every day, you know what that's all about? Shame. It's shame. I've seen people in prison. I've talked to people in prison and even people not in prison. When they do something horrible, their mind can put that thing into some box somewhere and bury it down so deep and they will actually convince themselves, I never did that. Why? Because shame is a human emotion that we were never designed to deal with. And now Adam and Eve who were walking with God in love are in the garden and they're hiding from the one that loves them. And Jesus just like he always did, came into the garden and he called out, Adam, Adam, where are you? Why are you hiding? And Adam in guilt said, we knew we were naked. That's why we're hiding. We're dealing with guilt and shame because of our failure. And God said, did you eat of the tree that I told you not to eat from? God already knows the answers when he's asking these questions. Did you eat of the tree? And the blame game begins. Yeah, but the woman that, by the way, you made her for me, God. We wouldn't be in this predicament if it weren't for you. The woman convinced me. And God turns his piercing light towards the woman. And he said, what have you done? And the woman she can't blame the man because she knows she convinced the man. And she's looking around and there's a snake. And she said, it's the serpent, Lord. He beguiled me. And all the while, Lucifer is waiting for that moment when the lightning bolt of God turns them into dust. Pow! You thought you were going to be like me. Now it's your time for judgment. And Lucifer's looking and God is having a conversation with the ones that just violated his commandment. There was no conversation in heaven when Lucifer violated the commandment of God. Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning. As soon as he made the mistake, bye-bye. And now God is down on the earth that he created with the humans that he created, uh, even walking among uh, the sinful nature and the guilt and the shame. And he's having a conversation. Uh, he's having a conversation uh, with the ones that violated his commandment. Uh, and God uh, turns to Lucifer and he said, you're going to be on your belly and you're going to eat dust. Uh, and I will put enmity between thee and the woman. Uh, and the, the seed of the woman uh, is going to bruise or crush uh, the head of the serpent. Uh, and if you understand prophecy. God was already saying uh, how he was going to rescue the people that had violated his commandment. Uh, instead of the judgment of God falling, uh, the love of God was revealed uh, in a word of prophecy. I'm going to give you a savior. You're going to be all right. In that moment of time, for the first time in Satan's existence, he knew love. God, you did not treat me like this. God doesn't love angels. And this is an incredible part of the love of God and the nature of God. God literally chooses who to love and who not to love. We just think God has this automatic thing where he's, he's, he's love and he's got to love everything. Everybody. He loves dogs. He loves cats. He loves angels. He loves, he loves everything. No. He loves us. Which is baffling. If he could have chosen anybody to love. I mean, in my mind, I would have chosen the perfect. I would have chosen the flawless. 
I would have chosen the strong. I would have chosen the beautiful. I would have chosen the perfect. But God chose us. And Satan hates us because of it. And the Bible says he accuses us night and day. He is relentless in trying to get God to have the same reaction to us that he had towards him. But God refuses to change his mind about you and I. No matter how many facts... Yeah, let me tell you something. He's been before the throne today. I guarantee you, Lucifer has been before the throne today. And he said, you see those people? They're going to Apostolic Tabernacle. Look what they did last night. Look how they acted yesterday. The attitude, this person lied. This person cheated. This person had lust. This person deceived. And he's bringing the facts and the figures. And they're right. He's not lying in the presence of God. He has nowhere to hide. He lies to us. But he can't lie to God. And God is looking at the facts. And then he looks at you. And he says, still love them. Nothing you can do, Satan. I know they're flawed. I know they're imperfect. I know they fell flat on their face. I know they messed up. I know they fell short. I know they're beating themselves up. But I still love them. I'm going to raise them up. I'm going to give them hope. I'm going to rescue them. Hallelujah. So Satan, in his knowledge, since he cannot get God to change his mind about us, he works on us to get us to change our mind about God. Isn't it incredible that people turn against the only one who has the power to save? I can remember as a teenager, I came from a broken home. I failed God. I lived in addiction to sin. I had been in the presence of God. I had been in the glory of God. God took me to hours a day of prayer as a teenager. I had been with him. And once you have been with him, there's a difference between you getting the Holy Ghost and the Holy Ghost getting you. There's a difference between you having Jesus and Jesus having you. And once you reach that place in his presence where he has all of you, he will never leave you alone. He will come to you. He will call you. He'll speak to you in the night. He'll give you dreams. He'll whisper in your ear because God has made love with you. And he will never be satisfied with and I had been in his presence, and the devil beat my brain to a mess. I began to believe that God hated me. I began to change my mind about God. I looked at the circumstance, my broken home. I was addicted to sin. I couldn't be free. I had been abused and hurt by people closest to me. I had been kidnapped. I had been, I had been utterly violated by people that surrounded me that I trusted, and I could not believe that God truly loved me and I begin to hate God I remember coming to church my precious mama thank God she made me come to church she did not give me an option you either get in church or I'm going to shoot you so I came to church and I sat on the pew and I hated God and I dared the preacher to look at me so I could glare at him and let him feel my hatred for him and God I was in a spirit of rebellion and iniquity. And I sat there and I can remember one particular night the preacher was preaching. It was a visiting evangelist and he was powerful. The power of God was flowing through him. There was so much conviction. And he basically said, if you don't come up and repent, God's going to kill you. And God spoke to me and said, that's you. 
and it scared me half to death. And I resisted as long as I could. My hands were on the pews, and they were white, squeezing those pews. And I was glaring at the preacher, but for some reason, he wouldn't look at me. It made me so mad. He would not look at me. Couldn't affect him. I don't know if I've ever told this exact story before. But I'm telling you, something got a hold of me, and I knew if I died, I would go straight to hell. And I ran up to the front, and I said, God, the only reason why I'm up here is because the preacher made me come. I was so angry at God. I can remember I couldn't find him, and I came back. Jesus was far from me. Because I was angry at him because I would not let him in. I had a big wall there. And I, I came back. My mother dropped me off at the church. And I remember running down to the front of the church and laying down at the altar. And I screamed out to God, God, where are you? And the devil was beating my brains out. He has changed his mind about you. I had cursed God. I had cursed God. I was so filled with hatred. Satan had so much access to my brain. I became a rebellious person cursing God. And I was so scared for my life, I ran down to the front and Satan told me, you have blasphemed. You've gone too far. God will never come to you again. God has changed his mind about you. He's gone to another. Your sin is too great. Your iniquity is too powerful. You're going to be in prison for the rest of your life spiritually. You might as well kill yourself. There's no hope. One negative word after another. One word of judgment after another. And finally, I couldn't even say words to the Lord. And I began to cry out, Jesus! I need you. I'm sorry. I need you. And Jesus, the one that I hurt, the one that I slapped, the one that I spit on, the one that I crushed, walked. put his hands on my head and whispered in my ear, Joey, I will never change my mind about you. Let me tell you something. I'm preaching now. I've got a microphone in my hand. I'm traveling the world. And I'm telling people about Jesus, but only he and I know, <laughs> only he and I know what he's brought me out of. Only he and I know the sins I have committed, the failures and the mistakes. But God never changed his mind about me. And to pay Satan back for every stinking word he put in my head, for every negative moment, for every voice of condemnation, to pay him back. I lift my hands and I say, I love you, Jesus, because you first love me to pay him back. I'll just say, Lord, I'm sorry for any sin. Now I'm going to come closer to paying back. I dance and I shout because I have been redeemed and he has not. I'm on my way up and he's on his way down. I've got heaven to look forward to, but he's got a lake of fire. The worst thing you can do for the devil is to love on Jesus. Why? Why does Satan do that? Why when you fail does he beat your brains out? That feeling of unworth comes upon you. You feel like hiding just like Adam and Eve did. You try to hide. Some people try to hide behind a smile. I can see it while I'm preaching. They just smile. Act like everything's fine because they're ashamed of themselves. And Jesus, when he really comes to you, it comes with light and revelation of what you are. And Satan will beat your daylights out because you're not perfect. But man, 
we are on our way to being perfect. Lift your hands and say, I love you, Jesus. There's nothing you can do, Lucifer. I love you, Jesus. I am imperfect, but I love you, Jesus. Lift your voice again and just praise him and worship him. There's something powerful moving in this house. There's something marvelous. Your status has never been a determining factor for the love of God. From the beginning, we were imperfect. And God hath bestowed his love upon us. And Satan will try to tell you, your standing, your status, your current condition is the determining factor for how much God loves you. That is a lie from the pit of hell. God loves us because he chose to love us, and nothing will ever change that. There is no force on earth in the universe that can change the love of God for us. And I am convinced that every problem we have spiritually is a love problem. When people have issues with Jesus, they do not have a revelation of how much he loves them. John said, we have believed and known or experienced the love of God. I had love issues. I had love issues. I, I, I couldn't allow people close to me. I had walls up. I had been hurt by people. People I trusted hurt me. And so I determined I will never be hurt by them again or people like them. I remember sitting in my bedroom when I was about eight years old, sitting in my bedroom on my bed after being incredibly hurt. And I said to myself with my voice, I will never forget it as long as I live. I said, I will never allow myself to be hurt again. At about eight years old, and this wall went up. And people tried to get through. People tried to help me. But I was very hard. My spirit was hard. And many preachers taught me many things. If I were to say what Bishop, my Bishop Varnum taught me, he taught me the wisdom of God. Sister Varnum taught me the power of God. Lee Stone King demonstrated to me the ministry of God. But there was a man that came to our church. His name was Jason Sisko. And when he came to our church, God revealed to me, I think for the first time in my life, the love of God. This guy... He would single me out. And I remember one service in particular. I was sitting on the front row, and he walked right up to me, and he wrapped his arms around me, and he just hugged me. And I'm standing there. I don't know what to do. I'm like, oh, my God, what is this guy doing? I don't know him from Adam. He doesn't know me, and he's just hugging me. And I literally could feel Jesus hugging me through this man. And all these defenses that I had, I mean, tears burst out of my eyes. I became a slobbering, drooling, sniveling mess in front of everybody. Because when that love touches you, it allows you to be totally real. All this fake stuff that we do, all that stuff disappears. You can be totally real. And he repeatedly, he would come up to me and he would look me in the eye. One time in particular, he walked up to me and he took me by my hand and he said, I And God had revealed to this guy what was going on in my spirit. And I remember at fellowship, these are just simple things that have impacted my life forever. And fellowship, the whole church went over to this uh, person's house after church. And, and Jason Sisko came up to me. And out of everybody, he came up to me and he said, he said, you know why I love you so much? And I was like, <laughs> why? <laughs> he said, because you are so lovable. 
Isn't that silly how something so simple could change your life? These words pierced into my soul. I'm lovable. This person hurt me. That person rejected me. This, this thing destroyed my emotions and that scarred me. I'm lovable. And I can remember. I think I've told this story before, but I'm going to tell it again. It's so good. And if you've already heard it, just act like you have it and, and cry and drool and speak in tongues and everything will be great. I was in the car on my way to college and I had a piano CD. I love the piano and I had a musical CD and I turned on the, I had a brand spanking new CD player. It was awesome. And it had, you could repeat the whole album or you could repeat one song. And the song came on the CD through piano. Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me so. I'd heard that song a million times, but somehow I was in a position now where I could believe and know the love of God. And I'm telling you, when I heard those words when I, in my head, it was on piano, when I thought the words to that song, they washed over me like a warm mist, and I began to weep and cry as that musician played Jesus Love Me. I literally was driving down the highway. I couldn't see anything. My, I was crying at the top of my lungs. If somebody pulled up next to me, what they saw was, Tears are poor. I'm telling you, mucus, snot, everything was coming out of my face. I had lost control of myself. And I couldn't get control back. Every time I tried to get my composure back, I would feel those words touch the deepest part of my soul. And I would lose control all over it. What I had been made for, what I had been born for, was finally reaching that place where it could touch me. What I had been created for was finally reaching my soul. I pushed the repeat one button. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. What? Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me, for the Bible tells me so. Repeat, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible. I could not get over it. I couldn't see, so I pulled into the mall parking lot and put the car in park and sat there. I don't know how many hours of weeping and sobbing. I was a sniveling, sobbing mess in that car for hours because my heart had been open to the love of Jesus. I remember after that revelation, I'm telling you, when I went to church, my worship changed. You know why, Brother McGee? It didn't matter what you thought of me anymore. Jesus loves me. It doesn't matter how I look. Who cares if, I, if you don't like what I'm doing? I didn't come for you. Jesus loves me. He likes it when I act kind of crazy. He likes it when I lift my voice. He loves it when I say, I love you. He loves it when I dance. It no longer mattered what I look like in service. And I'm telling you, I became a freak. I became a total freak in church. I would pray for hours before service. And when I got into service, I, I wasn't letting the preacher break me through. I was already broken through in prayer before church ever began. And when I sat on that front row, every single word out of the mouth of Brother Varnum, it was like the voice of God speaking into my soul. I just sat there and rocked like a freak on the front row, speaking in tongues the whole time, writing down everything I could. I would get drunk in the Holy Ghost, sitting on the pew when nobody else was getting drunk. And after service was over, I didn't go anywhere. I went straight. I ran into the prayer room and just basked in the love of God. I was free. I was free. I was free. Jesus set me free. His love. Love set me free. Ah, lift your voice unto the Lord. Let your voice out if you love him, if you want that love. Let your voice out. I love you, Jesus.
Some of you men here are constantly trying to prove something because your father, your earthly father, did not love you like he should have. You've constantly got something to prove. Some of you ladies live with an empty hole in your soul because your earthly father did not love you like he should have. Everybody here deals with wounds and pain. Everybody here. But Jesus fills in all the gaps. Would you commune with him for a moment? Would you, would you commune with him? Would you be real with him for a moment? Let your voice out. <laughs> I know this is different. I love it. Let's do it. Let your voice out. There's going to be people here today. You are going, you've been in church for a while. There's people here. You've been in church for a while. But you've been dealing with this issue. There's been an emptiness that you cannot shake. There's been a void that you cannot shake. There's been a wall somehow. Even after you received the Holy Ghost and were baptized in Jesus' name, there's been a wall that you somehow could not get through. And today, you are about to be delivered into a revelation of the love of Jesus Christ for you like you have never known in your life. Church is going to become a completely different experience for you. It's going to become a completely different experience. You're not going to worry about proving anything to anybody hiding. Some of you are hiding because you know something's messed up inside your relationships with other people. They never quite get off the ground because something's messed up inside of your heart. You don't know how to define it. You don't know how to describe it, but there's something missing that you never can feel. God is going to release you through the power of his love today and you're going to step into a realm of wholeness, of completeness, of absolute fulfillment that you've never been in your life. You've never been in your life. I want you to embrace that promise. I want you to get a hold of that promise. I want you to do what you feel right now. I want you to do whatever you feel. Lift your voice. Let your voice out. The love of Jesus is sweeping over this place right now. Some of you are encased in it. Some of you are in the secret place of the Most High right now. Some of you are wrapped in those feathers. Some of you are wrapped in those wings right now. Don't worry about anybody or anything. You do what you feel right now. Let your voice out. Come on, let your voice God is setting people free now. God is loosing people now. If you feel like getting out of your pew, like this young lady, get out of your pew. Hey, bye. Hey, me. Hey, lale. That's it. I encourage you to get out of your pew. If you want what I'm talking about, uh, if you want it, find a place to get involved with Jesus. Uh, there is a liberty here. There is a freedom here of expression. Uh, you can do whatever you feel. You can worship him. Uh, I want to tell you, Satan hates uh, what you are doing right now. He'll never understand it. Uh, he'll never understand it uh, because God will keep giving you another chance uh, and another chance. Uh, I know you fell. I know you fell flat on your face. I know you fell short, but God is saying, I've not changed my mind about you. I'm going to bring you up. I'm going to restore you. I release you from the fear of rejection. I loose you from the fear of rejection 
from your heavenly Father. He that feareth is not made perfect in love, for perfect love casteth out fear. I curse every fear of rejection in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. I see so many people sobbing and crying. You're in the presence of the Lord. If you're looking for something to do, get your hands on somebody. If you're looking for something to do, get your hands on somebody. Pray for them. God, open their hearts. Remove every defensive mechanism that we put up as humans to protect ourselves from rejection, from hurt, from pain. Remove it today. Let there be a healing of the soul. Let there be a healing of the heart a healing of the mind God will become your daddy God will become your father God will become your family when you know how much he loves you you'll never have to compare yourself to anybody again I, I, I hope some of you saints that know how to pray would begin to lift your voice right now. There are people struggling with this. There are people digesting this. There are people trying to grasp this. But there are barriers. There are walls of defense. I want you to lift your voice. Don't just stand there. Find someone to minister to. Find someone to help. In the name of Jesus. The love of Jesus is in this place. Angel desire to look into these things why they do not understand love they've never received love but God loves us imperfect fallible God loves us God loves us There are scars being mended. There are wounds being healed. You got to give it to the Lord, sir. You got to give it to the Lord, ma'am. Come on, you can trust him. You can trust him. You can trust him. You can trust him. I trust you with this pain. I've never been able to give it to anybody else, but I give it to you. I give it to you. I give it to you. For you heal the heart. You heal the mind. You restore my soul. You restore my soul.
God, I give it to you right now. I lay it down at this altar. God, I don't understand why they did it. I don't understand, God, everything about it, Lord. God, but I forgive them right now. I forgive that person. God, I give this pain, this hurt to you today. God, and I receive your love, your unconditional love. Jesus.